0: right well welcome back to the Habit shift podcast so this week we're at episode six and so uh, we have a really good topic to discuss today we're going to be looking into tracking versus non-tracking approaches to managing our nutrition our food intake uh, whether that's for fat loss goals maintenance uh, muscle gain whatever the case may be and so we're going to be talking about some different approaches to that and i think that's a really important topic and uh, excited to discuss this with you guys today. So how's everyone doing today?
1: Yeah, good, thank you. Good, very good. I'm
0: top of that the morning, good. I'm amazing. Top
2: of the morning, <laughs> it's so
0: British. Yeah, <laughs> got me cup of tea and I've got me crumpet yeah. here. here. <laughs> here in Texas, we say, how y'all doing this morning? So yeah. I don't have a good accent because I didn't grow up in Texas, but. All right, so we're uh, with this topic where should we start I guess we should probably define what what tracking is and and non tracking kind of at least define what what we mean by that when we say these kind of two sort of broad categories of of approaches for monitoring our food intake and and managing our food intake so uh, does anybody want to jump in and tell us a little bit about what tracking is
1: well I guess on the most simplistic terms it's either putting your calories maybe more so your macros as well into some form of app um, and seeing work into set numbers that have been worked out to you and non-tracking would be not doing that but finding some other kind of way like portion control to measure what you're eating and in the most simplistic form
0: yeah. yeah. Now, when we when you're when you're talking about tracking calories, uh, just in case people are, are new to that concept, how do you know how much to track? how How would you how would you uh, find out? You know, I remember when I back when I was in high school and I was rock climbing, I used to track all my food, but I didn't know enough about any of it, so I would just write it down meticulously in this log, but I didn't really know what the heck I was doing, so I didn't really, I, I just sort of wrote it down and then did nothing with it. Um, is that what you're talking about to make you mindful of it or is it to reach a certain target?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, that's something that I've seen with clients where they've gone wrong before is that they go, right, okay, I've got to track my calories because they've kind of worked out that calories are important, yet they've got absolutely no idea how to do it. So I've had clients that have gone on the government recommendations of, you know, 2,500 for men, 2,000 for women and religiously tracked as they thought for those numbers and then not lost any weight. And they're like, well, I don't understand why. Well, that's because they're not that average person that should have been on two and a half thousand calories. So, you know, it's, where do you find the numbers? How would you know that those numbers are accurate? And are they even accurate?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I guess. Well, how do me- you
0: guys calculate those?
2: Yeah, well, obviously the, the RDAs and all of that sort of stuff, they are just going to be very general numbers. So what a lot of people will typically do is go and find a online calculator, which will take into account their age, generally their sex, their height, their weight, which is going to spew out a number. Um, and there's numerous kind of ones. There's um Harris-Benedict equation is typically the the most common but there's other ones where you can just literally take your body weight and times it by a certain amount um in pounds or kilos and these are just spewing out a ballpark figure and i think that's another place where people make a big mistake is that these are just based on purely averages and there's numerous things that are challenging within tracking so you've got these numbers but people are notoriously bad at tracking calories in the first place. And it, it, again, it's going to largely depend on the individual. Like I'm very like IT driven. I like numbers. I think it's like what's known as a blue personality. So like, I like that sort of stuff, whereas a lot of people don't. And again, there is that kind of technology um, gap there. People using smartphones, understanding how to like input stuff, knowing how to organize their nutrition how the feedback off the back of it so there is a lot of kind of things going into tracking so for some clients i'm like right we now know these numbers like what we're we going to do about these numbers and like how do we break those numbers into as you said macronutrients um and also how do we manage other things outside of tracking so like dipping into the non-tracking approaches like um listening to your appetite and honoring signaling from your body and recognizing the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger, which I think sometimes is overridden, overridden through um, tracking. And I think there's a time and place for, for both. Um, and I think that's something that we can explore as well.
1: Yeah, I think people often go straight to tracking, don't they, when they haven't really got any of the basics done. And I think that can be probably a problematic sometimes because they go straight into to numbers without really understanding any of the um, bits that come first. So sometimes just looking at where you're at and making some simple tweaks can actually get you some initial results before you need to even start tracking.
3: Yeah, I yeah remember- that's a really good point yeah I remember when um, you know I first learned about calories and I was a bit like Jeff. it was when I was really young and he didn't even really know what calories really were there were just, it, it was just something to do with food yeah. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I well I got into working in the gym and like probably Ian um, where we're used to, you know, tracking because we've done it through our bodybuilding, um, phases. So we're quite used to it, but it, yeah, in the beginning it was something that I didn't really understand. And I think for most people, it's the same. They really don't know what calories mean. They know that it's to do with food, but they don't know, um, you know what they're meant to do with those calories and that's when you know you get those um diets where it's all about 1200 calories the 1200 calorie diet and everybody just jumps on the whole bandwagon of it must be 1200 calories that you need to start at um but it's just that basic understanding of that it's not just 1200 calories for everyone and as Ian said, it's about um, finding out what your calories are for you. And to do that, you need to find a uh, calorie calculator and all of the calculators will spew out a different number. But you, it's it's just something to start with, isn't it? It's It's not you know there's no one number <laughs> that is going to work for everyone it's very dynamic i guess it's you just don't know until you just start tracking food to know exactly how many calories um, especially just for you to maintain your weight is something that you just have to work out over at least a couple of weeks i feel
1: yeah and people get hung up on that number don't they so you go mm. on to your I mean, the one thing that with the apps is they tend not, to, so if you go into MyFitnessPal, they will give you some generic number, which I find is hardly ever really appropriate for the person. You've then got the extreme that I mentioned with the government recommendations, which tends to be far too high for most people. So they'll they'll go on something else and they'll get this number. And then that number becomes the holy grail of all numbers. And let's just go randomly, it's 1500 calories. You know, they have a day and they they have 1520 and they're like, oh my God, I've gone over, now I've failed and you, you kind of go, but your day, that, that might be absolutely fine for you. You just don't know because it, like you said, it's dynamic, it's fluid, it's changing. How active were you that day? How sedentary were you that day? It, it, none of that gets taken into account with a number because that number's fixed.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I think that's a good point to, to, to make there with, with tracking is to understand that our bodies use different amounts of energy every day. And so we can never know that exact number. And, and that's where I think a lot of people do get hung up because, um, you know, some people are very, very meticulous with their tracking. And they come up with a number and they even think, even over time, they kind of work out what that number seems to be to, to move them toward whatever goal it is maintain lose gain and then they just get stuck on that that particular number every day and it can become it can become a distraction from the big picture a lot of times and it can also be detrimental to your to your progress too because it doesn't take into account those other things yeah i think it's well and i'll
3: put it... my hand
0: sorry you put go your ahead. hand up you put your <laughs> hand up Sandy. <laughs> I didn't
2: put <laughs> my hand up, you did. And, and that, that's how we should run this podcast now.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I'll put my hand up and say, I was one of those people that, you know, had to go to the exact number, like, and weighed everything to the gram. And it was. it's just so ludicrous now when I look back at, you know, what I was taught and what we did. When now it's like, you know, you really just need a calorie range and you don't have to measure everything, you know, right down to the gram and eat that exact amount every single day. And like we're saying before, it's dynamic. There's all different things that are are going on in your life, not just activity um, and what you eat. Um, but also your menstrual cycle for you know, for women and and um, you know, food in your digestive tract and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's not just that one number. Go
1: ahead, Ian. (laughs) Ian. Sorry, no, your hands.
2: hands, I I was just gonna say Go ahead.
1: Sandy, did you find that quite restrictive? Like did that kind of feed into a bit of perfectionist behaviour when you were doing that?
3: no because i'm i'm not like that anyway like it it didn't affect me as like emotionally or um anything like oh well actually it did at one point because you know we got down to some really ridiculous um sort of amount of calories to get down to that um level of leanness um you know and when adjustments were being made by um our coach, it was like 10 gram or five gram increments that, I mean, that's how precise it was getting. And I mean, when you're in bodybuilding, I guess, you know, it is a bit more stringent, but I still don't think, even after doing it myself and doing my own uh, nutrition coaching through my own prep, you know, I know that it's, it doesn't have to be like that. It's still probably, you know, you still need to be a little bit diligent, but not, you know, as much as what it was before. No.
2: Yeah, I think my introducing, like talking about a non-tracking approach, firstly was uh, clean yes. eating. You know, and that's kind of like a, a non-tracking approach. And I guess you talked we talk about perfectionism there, and it's just it breed both systems typically breed like a perfectionistic. Uh, mindset so you know the clean eaters are trying to be like uber clean and anything that passes their lips and obviously the the meticulous trackers are playing this kind of macro nutrient tetris and trying to get everything to align and the you know putting in a bit extra rice and taking it a bit out and then a bit more in just to try and make things and like first and foremost like there is no perfect system and if you have that my attitude like towards it you just end up going down a rabbit hole that can eventually lead to a disordered approach towards maybe not maybe it goes eventually to full-blown eating disorder which we know um, these kind of practices regardless whether it's tracking whether it's non-tracking approaches people take things to an extreme Um, and i know you've had experience in non-tracking approaches sarah is that right
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I never used to use tracking with any of my clients, but I was also a bit like you back in the day when it was, well, clean eating from elimination. So like eliminating basically the joy out of your life um, by, you know, only have. I mean, we weren't allowed dairy. We weren't allowed wheat. We weren't allowed sugar. We weren't allowed alcohol. We weren't allowed caffeine. I mean, like it was pretty horrific, but the interesting thing is, and I never got it because back then calories were like, calories don't count. And you're like, okay, calories don't count. So what I was allowed to eat were things like nuts. so like highly calorific um, <laughs> nuts. So I would be so hungry, I would be eating nuts like 10 o'clock, Oh, let's have some more nuts at 11 o'clock, well, let's nuts at 12 o'clock, along with my green vegetables and my like plain chicken, because you couldn't have spices because you know, that wasn't allowed. And um, I never lost any weight. Get that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Was your vegetables Um, lathered in coconut oil?
1: Yeah, butter. You could have butter. So that was all right. Coconut oil, absolutely drown everything in coconut oil. So it was a super high fat diet, basically, and way over the calories for a, a small female like I was. And on top of that... Four exercise sessions a day, you know, to fuel with no carbs practically, because you couldn't have pasta, you couldn't, you could, I think you could have rice, but only a small amounts. Um, you couldn't have potatoes, you can have any of those things. So crazy. And it just shows that the balance was <laughs> just so wrong, so completely wrong.
2: I think a lot of, a lot of people, I guess what we need to like establish is the purpose of tracking and non-tracking is to kind of regulate our caloric intake. So, you know, the whether you are gaining, actively gaining body fat and weight, maintaining or losing, really that's the determining factor of whether you're in a a calorie deficit or not, or in a surplus. So sometimes with tracking or even non-tracking approaches, people can be like, I'm being really good, you know, like with my diet. And it's like, yeah, but you, you know, define good. And like, you still could be over consuming. And even with tracking people, as I mentioned, are notoriously bad at it. Maybe the equation is wrong. Like, so for me, it's looking at the big trend of your actions and behaviors versus the actual outcomes and like just being brutally honest with it and going, well, you're not in a calorie deficit because you're not losing body fat and obviously the scales as well, like being able to read them and understand how they'll typically change more with females and males and, um, and being okay with maybe just spending a great deal of time, like learning about that and like learning about your body and the feedback that it's giving you. But people don't have time for that. They want like the system that, gives them the instantaneous results. And as we know, like it's so many things are moving at the same time. Um, And I would say like tracking and non-tracking, they both have their uses, like, you know, getting excessively lean. I believe tracking eventually becomes a necessity because you can't really trust your intuition, but that's getting excessively lean, which for 99.9% of the population, it's what they think they want, but until you've done it, <laughs> until you've yeah. done it and gotten there and, you know, you've got no energy, you've got no libido, um, you know, you can't really um, have that amount of flexibility you want in your diet. You're just like, oh, is that six pack worth that um, like kind of resentment in your lifestyle? Um, so yeah, we've got to like kind of, I don't know, marry up with people's expectations as well, what they went out of tracking and, I guess where tracking falls down is where people just kind of like, I don't know when they, they almost approach tracking with a diet mentality. It almost be, it's almost become the new, like people say, I need to get, I need to start tracking again. And they're going through this in the head again and again. And it's almost like, I need to get back to the diet on Monday. It's almost the new version of that.
1: Do we talk about like the good parts of tracking what we think, is useful and why tracking can be really good because it can be you know we're not uh-huh. slating it at all I, I think probably everybody should track at some point in their life just for an education perspective without it becoming obsessive so should we talk about like mm. the good parts of it yeah pro,
3: pros and cons maybe
1: yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah I, I, would, I, <laughs> I, I would say personally um it has been a huge positive like Learning about obviously kind of how much you can eat of low calorie dense food and like fit it in within your macronutrients. Because if we have someone who has like a 2000 calorie like budget, if you'd like, and daily average, like that can be very quickly filled with nuts, seeds, and you know, calorie dense oils, etc but when we're talking about very low calorie dense vegetables and fruits and all of that sort of stuff, that can be like quite often like an overwhelming amount of food and people are like, are you, you, they feel a little bit kind of, it's like counterintuitive. They're like, should I be eating this much? And they're trying to restrict very calorie dense foods. And it's like, well, no wonder you're not feeling super satiated. So for me, it's been huge in that. And it's kind of allowed me to get to this, place where I don't track I haven't tracked in years but primarily the base of my diet is still like protein like leaner proteins and low calorie dense foods
0: yeah it can definitely be an educational kind of an experience for uh for people just like you were pointing out there to kind of bring awareness to just the amount of food that you can actually consume um within a day and based on you know the types of foods that you choose to eat, and so it can be it can be very educational in that way, and it and it does work as a way of of uh, kind of restraining your eating and keeping it into a particular range, and uh, you know once you find out the the kind of the average amount of energy that you're using each day based on your level of physical activity and stuff, if you're fairly consistent from day to day, it can be a decent way to to kind of keep you within the lines. And and so that is one of the one of the benefits. And one of the reasons why, you know, when I was tracking it, it was kind of a way of not having to really worry about some of the other things going on, I didn't really have to tune into how my body was feeling too much. I didn't really have to think about, you know, my attitude toward food and stuff like that. I just kind of said, Well, if I haven't hit my number yet, I can keep eating. If I've hit my number, then I'm done for the day. And so you know, it can sort of um, help keep you in track that way. Of course, there's downsides to that too, which we can, we'll probably talk about later too. Um, and, uh, you know, and that would be, that would probably be one of the, the pros. And of course, if you're, if you have a specific performance related goal or body composition goal, it can really help with that too. You know, if you have a, if you're trying to gain muscle and you're trying to stay in a calorie surplus, and you're wanting to fuel your activity, but you're not wanting to put on too much body fat, it can be a, a way to kind of keep a closer, keep closer tabs on that.
3: Yeah, um, but it's, again, definitely, you know, it's definitely a good educational tool, mm-hmm. tracking your calories. Um, yeah. And also just not, not just that, but also realizing what, is in food what the quality of your food is What's what's it made of of you know protein and carbs and fats what, what the macros are and um food quality are uh, not quality quantity you know sometimes you don't realize and and most people are like this is that when they um they are eating a particular food they're usually having way way more than what they actually think and it's not until they actually start tracking it they think oh god (laughs) I am eating a bit too much of that you know it's it's not a normal serving size and then they realize wow I, I really am eating too much so it is a really good educational tool and I find it helpful you know it's not one of the first things I start with but it's definitely within my program that I teach people how to use it and but they like we say there are pros and cons to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of my um pt clients he's a good example where he lost three stone which was really most of the weight he wanted to lose in his first year with me and that was by probably following more of a portion control um guidelines um you know half a plate of veggies getting a good portion of protein um, being mindful of your carbs, you know, and watching the other things, you know, like the alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's definite pros to that. You know, he did well, he achieved what he wanted to achieve and, and sort of over the next couple of years, um, he maintained that by going up and down, probably half a stone here or there when he had a holiday, you know, when, when things like the alcohol crept in, all those sorts of things. Um, And then gradually over time, he gained maybe up to a stone more. And he kind of was like, I don't really get it. You know, I'm sort of doing what I've always done. And so we sort of went on to a calorie tracking thing for education. And he was like, oh, my God, I had no idea how much, how many calories were in a pint of beer, you know, and I've had five pints, you know. And, oh, wow, you know, those crisps that I've been nicking when I've been having the five pints of beer. Wow, that really adds up. And it was was like a just like below, blew his mind as to yeah. where that was. And I think the thing is, is that you could follow quite happily a portion control model for life. But what happens when you go out for dinner? What happens if you have a mixed meal, like a lasagna, for example, that doesn't fit into that portion control plate? You know, you have no idea how many calories there are in that. So you're kind of just guessing. And um, I think that's the thing. It's a lot of guesswork. Whereas when you track, even though it's not 100%, you are getting a better idea. So I think it's really important to at least do that at some point in your life. So you do understand the foods that are super high in calories and perhaps aren't going to help you if you're trying to maintain your weight and eat a lot of them. um, Versus the ones that you can have loads of, you know, like our of fruit and, ve- and veggies and know I can fill up on that if I'm really hungry.
3: You really want to use it as a tool so that uh, while you're dieting, you can use it, like you say, um, realising what's in food. But eventually you want to not track it all so that you're able to just eyeball food and know exactly what's in it and, you know, roughly how many calories there are so that you can make better sort of informed
1: decisions
2: about it i always like so what are the downsides well i always like to compare um like tracking to like learning to drive a car and tracking is very much the Mm -hmm. mirror, signal maneuver and the basics um but then eventually once you've kind of been taught you know how to to use and understand nutrition especially if people have been tracking for a great deal of time (laughs) they almost use tracking as a bit of a safety blanket and like the true intuition comes when you've learned to drive is when you're out on the road on your own and you start like kind of you know experiencing what real life's like and then you still take the core fundamentals that are uh, needed for driving in t- and you know you don't just smash yourself into a wall because something bad's happened um, on the road or something it's the same with diet I think a lot of people over-reliant on it and need to marry up like tracking and non-tracking approaches so they can take care of lifestyle and um, based kind of problems and I think sometimes like people apply too much rig- rigidity towards the process of it and if something can't be tracked that leads them going to like you know oh well what's the point uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's like well you know we can still appreciate the food that you're eating has got calories in and if i've got clients that use my fitness pal or something like that i'll still get them to kind of mindfully log that but i'll be like use the quick add function and just factor in like just say right that's i don't know 1500 calories of my budget but we don't look at it from a daily budget we look at it from a weekly budget and we also like assess okay then i'm life's a bit busier right now so maybe i'm going to not try and lose weight this week like you know eat at maintenance calories and accept that like this is a long game thing and i can't always be in a calorie deficit and therefore it doesn't have to and i think sometimes it creates a very dichotomous black and white approach towards a person's diet as do most diets and what we're trying to do is give people like autonomy and choice and give them the tools and the know-how on whether or not it's appropriate to track or not and they can operate in there like I like you know when I work with people like it's their diet I'm helping them with and the management of their diet and yeah we're learning about basics but also like how they apply to them and I think that's the challenging thing with any diet is like how does it like how do you structure your diet given the situation that we're in
1: um, I think you just said there, Jeff, didn't you, the cons of, of tracking. Um, I think from what I've seen where I've done coaching for a company that uses just pretty much solely a tracking um method, is that one, it can really just get people obsessed with numbers and yeah. it's just a num- a number at the end of the day. It's a start point. I think the other problem is, especially now with my fitness pal being probably the worst of all of them for um, an inaccuracy basis, because anyone can add anything on there. So you've got the whole of the world using it. And you can have, you know, a chicken breast in there 5000 times. So which chicken breast do you choose? You know, is it? Is it the one for 200 calories? Is it the one for 400 calories? You know, it's quite difficult sometimes to get it accurate and it it isn't accurate it's a starting point but again people become obsessed with those numbers and then when you go out to eat as Ian just said it can become quite difficult to actually find what you want to find on there so then it's like oh well I can't do it so it's too hard so I'm just going to not do it and then if I haven't done it then I've ruined my diet and we're in that whole process of kind of sabotaging where you're at so I think you know, for all its good points, it's also got its negative points too. And it's really working out whether you are the sort of person that can use it as an effective tool without becoming completely reliant and obsessed with it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, you know, there's even research looking into the use of, of uh, calorie counting apps and and the impact on disordered eating and, and eating disorders and that kind of thing. And there is some you know, in certain people, that can actually be a a um, kind of lead to some of those those um, disordered patterns of eating and habits and thoughts toward food and and all of those things. So it's it definitely is not for um, for everyone, and it definitely is for some people. It definitely shouldn't even be considered uh, based on their their history. So uh, you know, if somebody has a history of an eating disorder uh, or you know, if they've recovered from that, it's probably not something that they should even really uh, necessarily consider or at least be extremely careful uh, in doing that. I mean, I do know some people who who have had eating disorders that use it and, and they say that that they're okay with doing that. But I'm not sure um, if they really are or not, you know, you can't really know what's going on inside somebody's head. But, um, you know, one of the downsides, one of the one of the negatives that that I've seen with it especially now that I'm working with a much more intuitive eating approach um, whenever I can get people on board with that is is that it does seem to get you out of the the mindset of eating according to your appetite and hunger so it it, it in many ways it sort of teaches you and conditions you to ignore your hunger signals because you're you're at, you know, throughout the day, you're looking at your app to tell you if you're allowed to eat or how much you're allowed to eat, not listening to your body and saying, well, how hungry am I? And so often you'll look at that and say, oh, I still have 500 calories. I'll go ahead and eat this, even if you're not hungry. I remember doing that myself at times where I'm thinking, oh man, I'm not hungry, but look, I got 500 calories. I get to eat some more, so I go ahead and eat more. Uh, On the other hand, you might be really hungry because based on whatever you did throughout the day, maybe it was a particularly stressful day where you expended a lot of energy through fidgeting or moving around more or stress because you know additional brain activity uses more energy, or maybe you were just more active and didn't even realize it, but now you're super hungry and you're saying, oh, well, but I've already hit my, my target. So I'm gonna drink diet soda. I'm gonna, oh, I can nibble on celery or something like that, even though your body's telling you it needs more energy, and you're you're kind of using the app to suppress that in different ways. And so have you guys experienced that too, with either yourself or with clients? And would you agree that that's kind of one of the downsides with that?
1: Yeah, for me, numbers, again, people just focusing on a number. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to use the same number I used last time 1500 calories. So, you know, like for breakfast, they've had some cereals maybe, Um, maybe they're sugar coated cereals. So they've used up 500 calories with a large helping of milk with it. You know, they've had a sandwich for lunch and they're approaching like dinner time with only 300 calories left. So it's like, what can I get for 300 calories? I can't go over, I can't even have 1,501 calories. So I'm just gonna have 300 calories. And there's no thought about what those numbers are made up of, you know, where's, where's your fruit and veggies? Where's your protein? where's associating food it's not just about the food that we enjoy too so i think one of the downsides and what i have seen is just people fixated on hitting a number Mm -hmm. but not what that number's comprised of
2: yeah the the if it fits your macros approach towards their nutrition and i think like for me getting a little bit of familiarity within in the diet super important because like you can I guess get a little bit more of a predictable like energy output if there is a little bit of predictability. And it just makes it like more practical. So I'm not saying you have to eat the same things every day, but usually humans tend to do that anyway. So if we know that, like we get a certain system within our diet. And I think like whilst tracking, we've got to start looking at the big picture. And it's like, listen, you don't want to be using my fitness pal when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, putting your peas and fish in my fitness pal. Um, <laughs> when you're old. Uh, but, um, but the thing is, like, learning to kind of go, right, hey, I know if I eat at this kind of regular interval with roughly these foods and these portion sizes I'm mostly good, and then if i'm expending a bit more energy i can simply add an additional portion of carbohydrates or something to my plate of food and we know you've got that kind of solid almost baseline to your diet and then when we add something you know we genuinely know that we are adding stuff and i think tracking sometimes is just as i said like a little bit of a a means of control and i think i think it's it shows a lack of control if they think they need that level of control over their diet. And as Jeff said, it can, like, it's not great for people if they've got disordered eating, they maybe need to fix their relationships elsewhere, um, with themselves, with their bodies, with their diet and all of that sort of stuff. But it also can like drive people to disordered, uh, approaches. And I think like, I guess we can talk a little bit about the non tracking pros and cons mm-hmm. because like, um, I think we'll probably discuss tracking further down the line as it'll enter many discussions, but like from a non-tracking approach, I guess, like, what would you say that the pros were are of them?
3: Um, well, well, it's easier, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely easier. Especially well, like um, like what I do within my program, and I'm I'm sure you guys all do it too, is um, just with portion sizes, you know, using the hand uh, portion sizes as a guide as to what should be basically on your plate. You know, that's that's a simple way of a non-tracking method.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. The um and. Well, what's interesting with that too is, you know, some I, in some ways it's easier to not track, but in other ways it can be more difficult because of our food environment. Uh, because you, it's it's very easy to to if if you're just eating when you're when you think you're hungry or eating when there's food available or eating at a certain time, um, that can be that can be really difficult um, if you're not doing other things to to sort of help um make sure that you're eating an appropriate amount for yourself so um you know even even the portion size thing is sort of something the the government has kind of come up with or that different bodies have come up with you know whether it's you know precision nutrition or whatever a way you know have a meat size you know a meat portion the size of your hand and and that kind of thing all of those kinds of things are are kind of somewhat arbitrary and so in many ways it can be um it can actually be a bit more challenging to navigate our food environment at, with a non-tracking approach in other ways. It uh, doesn't mean it's not better to do it, to do it that way. And I would argue yeah. in, in in many cases, really not tracking is the ideal way to live. I mean, it's a I think it's a much more enjoyable, relaxing way to 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 live, but there's often other things that you have to do to in order to get to a place where you you are, eating according to your appetite and eating in a, in a way that makes your body feel good and where you're not, I guess it's basically the, how you approach things like um, really highly palatable foods, fast food, the sweets and all of those things that are available. How do you navigate the, the environment with those available without tracking to know, hey, or without intentionally trying to limit it? Um, I don't even know if that made any sense.
3: Well, yeah, that last part did because (laughs) it's sort of like I I, what you were saying is sort of like a a flexible dieting approach. So 80 percent of the time you're pretty much eating, you know, lean sources of protein, lots of veg and fruit. But 20 percent of the time you're having fun foods, if you like. So I guess that's what you were saying.
1: I think that's it, isn't it? That's that. And that is the basis of it. And that's probably how we all should be eating most of the time, except sometimes it doesn't work that way. And I think Mm -hmm. again, what the downside of it is, is that people get so hung up on whatever method they're using. So whether they're tracking, it's like, right, I have to track. I have to track everything. I have to track every day. And if they're not tracking, but they're following say a portion guide, is that what happens when you have a meal out, like, so for example, on Saturday, I'm going to friends and they're doing a cheese night. So that isn't going to work with either method. You know, I'm not (laughs) going to sit there and track every mouthful of cheese that I have. I won't even remember what cheeses I've had and I'm not going to weigh them out. So that's not going to happen. Am I going to follow a portion guide? Well, no, because actually the portion guide shows one little piece of cheese probably and that's not going to happen either. So... I have to write off that day as in I can't really track it and I can't follow any other approach, but I can be mindful. I can make other choices. So I I won't drink alcohol, I'll probably choose crackers over bread because it's less stodgy and less filling, and I will stop when I am full and I won't just eat it because it's there. But am I gonna track that? Hell no. Where's the fun no. in that? It's yeah. not hard, but so you're
3: you're probably gonna manage your like your food over the course of the day yeah to like to have more cheese <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and you know because it's h- higher in fat and whatnot yeah. you know you're probably going to manage that throughout the day and perhaps even the next day
1: yeah actually i'm not going to be going to having a burger at lunchtime put it that way yeah yeah
3: yeah I think, <laughs> I, think, I,
2: think, I think learning to trust your um appetite as well i think you know tracking it's like when people aren't hungry they feel the need to eat and I guess for me personally like if I do something like the night before the next day I'm not hungry and I'm not Mm. afraid not to eat and I think we've we've become as a society afraid not to eat Mm. I might yeah because I'm like a like you know I've got a hobby of bodybuilding I will still have something protein based you know and like we've got like a non-tracking approach of fasting but again people treat it as kind of a rigid like rule and every diet they seemingly do it's just different rules and we know fundamentally we need to uh, burn more calories than we intake to lose body fat so it's different methods for different times so like using a bit of intuition where it's more appropriate tracking when maybe you feel that it is a useful tool just to even kind of like I call it like a a little diet audit, you know, so like sometimes you just go in a little bit deeper and like, maybe you are just things are creeping in a little bit. So you just bring that level awareness to the top of your mind for a few days. And then you're just like, all right, yeah, God, I was being a bit silly with, you know, my cheese servings and all of that sort of stuff. So it just kind of like reestablishes that I've been tracking for like, well, I haven't tracked for numerous years, but I still got my fitness pal. And sometimes I might very occasionally bust it out just for like a meal. Like how much protein's in this? How many calories is in this? But from my history of doing that, I've got like a fair amount of intuition. Like from a non tracking approach. Yeah. Like the first thing I'm going for is protein. The second thing I'm going for is like literally filling my plate with vegetables. Cause I like to eat, I've got a strong appetite. I can eat the same amount in calorie dense food, but the caloric like quantity of my diet will determine whether I'm, you know, where I am now, 84 kilos, 90 kilos, 95, hundred kilos. So I think it's getting that like level where people are, Not feeling restricted, but they are meeting the principles of energy balance. Um, And I guess that's what we're trying to get in the ideal situation is like to minimize perceived restriction.
1: And it's okay Mm. to do a bit of everything. Like you could be non tracking most of the time, but maybe go to a new restaurant and you go, Do you know what? I have absolutely no idea what the calories are in this place. I'm just going to plug it in and see um and if you've got a specific goal then you might go okay I I can see that the chicken dish has got 400 calories left and the spicy meatballs or something Uh, so I might choose that because I've got a goal that I'm trying to achieve or you might just go do you know what I'm I'm not going to track anything because I don't want to even think about it and there's no hard and fast rules that have to apply and I think again people are quite short-sighted because they only look at the day that they're on rather than that day within the whole year or the whole month or whatever you know one day cannot will not ruin your progress but day after day after day might so again it's looking at the bigger picture always I
2: think sometimes with non-tracking approaches people don't take into account like energy requirements so they might like almost to be safe uh, go too much for like Low-calorie proteins, lots of vegetables, and they may end up really under-eating. And under-eating isn't the problem because, like people, are like, oh, I almost be in starvation mood. mode. it's 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 making them chronically overeat, and maybe they've maybe put these foods on a pedestal, create these rules. These are bad, so on and so forth. But when they eat them, they go to town on them. So I think it's getting to understand a system that you can follow and like how you regulate nutrition across the week. Like most people like behaviorally eat more on a weekend, but like a lot of people get to Friday and that's usually a trigger for them to go the other way in terms of their nutrition. And like they end up eating far too many calories over the weekend back to it on Monday, um, to the restrictive nature of their lifestyle, maybe chronically overexercising and it just compounds the issues. So sometimes with like tracking, I've actually said to people, listen, let's raise your daily average um, intake. And what that's stopping is like excess like hunger um, and managing their appetite. And they have the ability to take care of the emotional side of stuff by incorporating Mm -hmm. a bit of like, you know, um indulgent food in
1: there what would you guys say to somebody that has been religiously tracking and is scared to come away from it so feel like if i don't track because i've heard this quite a lot if i don't track then either i'm not accountable to the tracking app Mm -hmm. or i'm just worried that i'm going to just go mad and not eat all the eat all the things because i'm not tracking them
0: yeah that's a that's a good question because i've had that come up with people that that are they're nervous about coming off of that because it it is it's it's a way of of kind of keeping you between the lines and and you know you can you look at you, you look at the scale number and this this is how it worked for me I'm I've told a lot of people I'm so average I'm just average, like my numbers line up with the calculator, my energy expenditure lines up with my Fitbit. And I mean, it all just when you do the math and everything, it all just comes out average. And so, um, so that the tracking I was able to, I'm whenever when I was tracking, I was able to manipulate my body weight very easily, uh, just by changing the numbers and sticking to the numbers. Um, But uh, for for uh, other people that that I think that some of the things that I've had them do in the past is start with just not tracking one meal a day or maybe not tracking one day out of the week. Pick a day where, they're, uh, where it might be particularly hard to track anyway, so where their numbers aren't even going to be remotely correct anyway, so why bother tracking and kind of convince them to not track for that day and kind of feel how that is. Um, generally though, I'll, you know, I take a kind of a longer term approach and the idea with that is, is that I'll take them through the different, di- different principles of, um, starting to look at recognizing hunger signals and fullness signals and help them to see, oh, you know, you can, you can actually tell when you're, when your body's telling you it's hungry, you can learn to distinguish between when you're actually thirsty and when you're hungry, you know, cause one of the common fitness things is, Hey, if you're hungry, drink water, you're, you're probably just thirsty. And it's like, well, no, if you're actually hungry, you get hunger signals. If you're thirsty, you get thirst, thirst signals and kind of helping people to, to make the distinction and understand what the difference is. Um, and those kinds of things and, and finding, finding out what is what amount is actually satisfying for you versus what you think you need to be satisfied you know when you really start tuning in and finding out you know what i i'm perfectly fine if if i'm actually paying attention with two pieces of pizza and so kind of realize over four pieces of pizza or i thought i needed four pieces or i thought i needed a whole pizza in order to be satisfied with it when you start to find out oh i don't need that and so when it comes back to tracking then they can say oh well you know what if I'm actually paying attention to what I'm eating and how I'm eating and how it's making me feel that in itself is is a really good way of making sure that I'm eating the appropriate amount for myself. And so I guess those are a couple of the couple of the approaches that I use getting started anyway.
2: I would always question whether or why somebody's like landscape of their diet just changes so much between tracking and not tracking. It's like mm-hmm. tracking; they're good and they are eating like a better diet. But as soon as you remove tracking, it's like you know that they just like they change everything. They're back to you know cereals and all of this sort of stuff. So I'm like, we need to like look at tracking as a means of building that kind of foundation around our nutrition. So when we remove tracking, we just literally move, remove tracking. We're eating similar meals at similar times we you know you might have a library of meals so like maybe two or three alternate breakfasts but like the composition of those meals are somewhat similar you know like the good thing if it if if it fits your macros was that hey and that was the purpose of if it fits your macros you could swap out broccoli for like peas (laughs) but then (laughs) then it kind of snowballed (laughs) into people like what what weighing pop-tarts (laughs) and you know, it's just, <laughs> so it was like no like we can have like very much a similar composition of meals so that's why from a habitual perspective as I said you're starting with protein and you're considering those sorts of things and as Sarah said like there will be numerous kind of times where you are like uh, doing something that isn't quote-unquote normal but like it's normal to do that Uh, that is part of the big picture of normal. And um, what we want to do is like kind of just revert back to what we normally do. And you shouldn't hate what you normally do. You shouldn't resent your diet. You shouldn't like, you know, you should build your diet based off your personal preferences and experiment with different food sources, different like, um, I don't know, seasoning and flavors and all of that sort of stuff. So you are met on on a kind of I guess a lot of people just assume, oh, you're going to be eating chicken rice and broccoli if you're doing an intuition of intuitive approach, but if you're not, you're going to be eating pop tarts and whey, and it's like, can, can we meet in the middle of <laughs> a bit here, please? I think See. that's probably
1: the best point overall, is that tracking is not a diet, and as you've just said, which is probably, I'd say, the most important takeaway for everybody, is that you find your fundamental diet based on principles of healthy eating and you don't change dramatically from that you just change it according to what you're doing that day and not go right well i'm not tracking so i'm not on a diet anymore because that's never going to get you anywhere
2: i guess for me like intuition is learned from an individual perspective and it's what we're taught from a very early age and I guess it's challenging to undo a lot of those core beliefs around food and nutrition. So we've got to take each person as it comes, like Mm -hmm. as coaches, Um, you know, we're trying to work with them on a behavioral level on an emotional level. And like, they have to be almost in their head, taking a bit of a leap of faith, stepping away from tracking or like introducing tracking. Cause a lot of people are just like, Oh, I don't want to track. And it's like, yeah, but, would, would this short-term investment like lead to long-term like improvements? Whereas some people, the first thing that they do when they feel they've had a bad like spell is like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start tracking again. And uh, you know, I've, I've got clients and I'm like, do we need to do that? And they'll go back to tracking for a day or two. And then they're very sick of it very quickly because it, it doesn't serve them anymore.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got to look at like mm. the behavioral component yeah. I think one thing um, with coming back a little bit to the, the getting away from tracking is we have to understand that some people, um, just like with many things, many habits, behaviors, um, different things, emotional eating, a, a lot of people have, have come to use these different um, techniques as ways of coping with different stresses in their life and managing different stresses in their life. And so it may be that somebody's using tracking as a way of of, kind of having some kind of goal over a certain area of their life. And we don't necessarily want to immediately say, you know what, you need to just quit tracking altogether. Um, it may be that we need to understand that that may be kind of a safety blanket for a lot of people in many ways and say, you know, what? let's what, let's try and find some ways to help get you away from that because I don't think it's healthy for you based on what we're, you know, the behaviors that we're seeing and stuff. But let's, let's kind of, let's, let's find other ways that we can help you feel like you're able to manage this area of your life um, apart from tracking and kind of make that gradual transition away from it. Cause I think with anything, you know, emotional eating is the same thing. If somebody is using food as a way of coping with their emotions and you immediately say, don't eat emotionally anymore you've just taken away this coping mechanism that they have in their life and you haven't replaced it with something else and it can have really damaging effects. And so, I don't know, that's one of the things that I I try and keep in mind when I'm dealing with somebody who has been tracking for a while or thinks that that's the best way is say, Hey, what if it's a safety blanket kind of a thing, that's where you got to really find other ways of, you basically you're replacing one thing with something else, not just taking something away. And the same we do with food. I mean, we don't just say, wait, hey, quit eating fast food. It's like, well, no, You let's figure out what we can replace uh, in there to in, in your diet, add to your diet, that kind of thing.
2: That
1: actually fits in with, um, I did an emotional eating webinar the other night, and they were saying, you know, for a lot of people, food is a crutch. So you you know you've got a broken leg, you don't take that crutch away. Exactly. Find a load of other crutches that support as well as the food. You know, food can be a solution, but not the Mm -hmm. only solution. Yeah. Um so that's a bit like tracking, because we don't, you know, emotional eating can be a whole topic on itself, but Mm -hmm. um when it comes to the tracking, non-tracking, you know, that's just one thing. It doesn't have to be the be all and end all. So, have we got any final like tips or trips? I think we're coming up to about an hour again, so we probably need to wrap <laughs> up.
0: I
3: think at the end of the day, um, with any non-tracking method or um, tracking method, if weight loss is your goal, you still need to be in a calorie deficit, regardless of what whatever method it is. Um, I think sometimes when it comes to the non-tracking methods that um, people think that they will automatically just, you know, lose weight, (laughs) but, you know, you can still overeat on any of those methods. Um, So, yeah, at the end of the day for weight loss, you still got to be in a
1: deficit. Ian?
2: I would say, yeah, don't hang your hat on just one thing. Like, you know, Be flexible within your approaches um, and learn to kind of like, again, it just depends on a person's goals, a person's desires. We're not saying either one is like particularly right or wrong. It's just it's going to be circumstantial. And if you just find something isn't really if you're not happy with a certain thing, like maybe question your approach and whether a more flexible way of tracking and um, all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know how that suits you given the nature of your lifestyle but again just avoid that kind of black and white all or nothing thinking and and stay in that grey area
1: yep. Jeff
0: yeah I'd just say make sure whatever approach you're using uh, aligns with your, your values and that you and your goals and that it's not making you uh, that it's not adding anxiety or stress, because if, if it is, then it's probably not a good approach for you. So if counting calories and tracking is adding a level of stress to you or your family, I mean, you got to consider other people. We, we Most of us aren't, aren't an island to where it doesn't, where, where the decisions we make don't affect anybody else. And so um, if, it's, if it is introducing that stress to your life, then it may not be really the right approach for you and um and so you you definitely would want to find something where you can be as relaxed as possible around food enjoy food where it's not impacting your social life and so that that's kind of the the thoughts that i would have on on tracking versus non-tracking
1: oh and i think i would just say i think i've said this before on other topics and i'll probably say it again but don't compare yourself to others because someone Mm else is tracking doesn't mean it's right for you because somebody else is following a portion control plate doesn't mean it's right for you. So work out, I guess, a bit like what Jester said. Work out what is right for you, fits in with your life, and be flexible, you know. Be be okay to say that didn't work and try something else, but do what's right for you and, and not somebody else. So I think that probably concludes
0: mm-hmm.
1: our chat today. Um, and we look forward to speaking
0: to you all soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And make sure that uh, if you haven't yet joined the habit shift, uh, Facebook group, you can just do a search for that on Facebook and, and uh, love to have you join us there. And you can post questions in that group and, and we'll be sure to answer those things. And so it's kind of a little bit of free access to four different coaches, which is kind of a cool thing, I think anyway, because I, I think these guys are, are at least halfway decent at what they do, right? do you agree We don't
1: don't think you're average at all (laughs) well
0: i'm average with with the way my body responds to calorie intake now (laughs) just in that area everything else is another another And we'd
1: also really love it if you could leave us review on um whatever platform you're listening to this on because that really helps obviously other people get to hear it too
2: and share yeah, us definitely. around yeah. yeah share us with yeah. your friends yeah. and family but no um another good discussion guys and i look forward to to next week's
3: okay Bye.
2: bye, bye. <laughs>